Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, PrideofDetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us as we come to you live, in person, and saucy on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, where accusations have been thrown around at multiple people about things like search engines and uh, snubs. That's going to be a big theme of the show today is snubs. And uh, particularly about Dan Campbell. Did he get snubbed? But we'll get into that in a second. But first, we got it. If, if Twitch will stop saying that I use Bing, I will go ahead and introduce everyone. So I am Chris Fett, the adequate host at Chris Fett on Twitter. I do not use Bing as my search engine. I, dis- I, I refuse heartily these allegations. And joining me, as always, is my legal counsel, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit on Lion to issue this statement, Jeremy. Uh, for all people that think Chris uses Bing, I would say refer to the tape, uh, twitch.tv slash no decaf. You can see him clearly using bing.com. I, <laughs> How can you get mad at me? I just promoted your Twitch page. Thank you for promoting my Twitch page. <laughs> and Ryan Matthews. Black is the rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. Do you know what Chris Perfett and Tobey Maguire playing Spider-Man have in common? Oh, my God. What? They both use Bing. I like how we all. Okay, okay, that's how (laughs) this podcast is going now. I thought I was going to be able to turn Jeremy and Ryan against each other over tally site. Instead of just here's Bing. Chris uses Bing because someone gave him a name to search that has B in front of it and it's switched to Bing. I don't use Bing. <laughs> I'm more mad about this than about anything Lions related. And there's a lot to be mad about the Lions today or in, for the sake of the Lions. And this is a full 
it's going to be a shorter podcast day. I think we're going to go a little bit shorter for some of these podcasts in the off season, just because I know we're trying to expand other content offerings. So POD cast will be shortening up a little bit, but I think today we've got a very news loaded podcast and we've got a lot of topics to get to. So um, if we're done accusing each other of search engines, no, not yet. I just want to point out, do you know what Chris is, who Chris's favorite sitcom character is? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what, what was that? <laughs> Chandler, Chandler Bing. <laughs> Friends. See, I've been, I was screwing up Jeremy all day long with references he didn't get. Now that one just went way over my head. So I'm going to have to go look that up. Um, anyway, we, we promised we wouldn't front load our BS and we're going to do that right now. Award nominees for the NFL Honors were announced. The NFL Honors is going to be next Thursday night. Uh, top thing to talk about. No surprise. Aiden Hutchinson is one of three defensive rookie of the year candidates nominees alongside sauce Gardner and, uh, Tyler Woolen. Did I get his first name, right? At least Tyreek, Tyreek, excuse me, Tyreek Woolen. Um, so yeah, I think we've all been kind of looking through this year and assuming sauce Gardner is probably the one to take it. Woolen might be a very interesting dark horse candidate, Ryan, but uh, Hutchinson is there. I don't think he'll win it, but he's a I know you made the argument that he's not a defensive rookie, the defensive rookie of the year. But his accolades do speak for himself this year, and it's good to see his name among the three finalists. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he did have more interceptions than Sauce Gardner, in case you didn't know that. Um <laughs> Because very important I, to point I, that out. Yeah, very important to point out that statistic. But yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Just to be in the top three is a huge accomplishment. And considering the way that he played over the second half of the season, I think that Lions fans have plenty of, um, I mean, they should have plenty to look forward to from Aiden Hutchinson in, in years to come. Yeah, I think I think if you were just to compare the second half of both players, I think you can make the argument for Aiden. I, I really, I think you, you, you can. could. Yeah. Um, because he was playing like a top edge in the league, not a top rookie edge, a top edge in the league, much like um, Sauce did for, for pretty much the entire year compared to the rest of the corners in the league. And, and I think, and like you said, I think Lions fans should be so optimistic about how he played down the stretch that I think it's entirely possible that Aiden Hutchinson turns out to be the better pick, the better player than, than Sauce Gardner. But We'll see. I mean, so I, I think I think if you take the entire season as a whole, and unfortunately, the way these things work out, if you're good right to start the season, like if you are out of the gate hot as a rookie, you're going to get most of the votes because that's because you'll carry the narrative kind of the rest of the way. And that's not to say that Sauce cooled off. He didn't really cool off. No, I think more teams just adapted to basically not throwing sauce his way, and that made his numbers tank. But that's always the unseen part of having a lockdown corner is, hey, suddenly everyone is just not going to challenge you because they're all terrified about what you can do. Sure. And and the the reason I also say that that sauce might not turn out to be the better players, I do think cornerback play is a little bit more year to year variant. I think Mm -hmm. I think you look at someone like Marshawn Lattimore as as a great example comes out and has a phenomenal rookie season and then kind of falls a little bit back down to reality in year two. And he's still a really good player, but he's not like we looked at Marshawn Lattimore's rookie season. Like this guy might be the next Darrell Revis. And, and, and listen, I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from sauce Gardner. The, the, the main point here is that 
feel good with the way that Aiden Hutchinson finished the season, feel honored that, that the Lions got a top three defensive talent in last year's draft and, and have a guy that could be their best player on that side of the ball for years to come. I, I will absolutely feel good about it because I know you and I, Jeremy and Ryan, you you know how long I have been. I pounded that train to get this kind of edge rusher that we've had in Aiden Hutchinson, that the kind of pass rush that the Lions have been lacking for over a decade that only ever got close with Ezekiel Ansa, And even then that was inconsistent. That so to have someone like Aiden Hutchinson who performed as he did as a rookie and hopefully he will be consistent and continue to perform that way in the coming in the coming years too. And to also be the vocal leader that he that he that he I think we all kind of expect him to be as well. That like, you know, he he wasn't he's not going to be a leader as a rookie, but he's clearly got the personality and the drive to be a leader for that defense at some point. So like, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it is huge. The, the one other thing I want to say, though, is th- there's a lot of uh, kind of like, you know, just cherry picking when it comes to statistics. Right. And and I think one of the things is that, that that people keep on pointing out is like, oh, man, look at the double team rate that Aiden Hutchinson faced. I mean, imagine what that's going to be like as the Lions continue to invest resources into their defensive line, into their defense in general. And and that just opens up possibilities for for Aaron Glenn to to tap into you know, hey, you can't double team Aiden Hutchinson all the time because, you know, player X is here now all of a sudden. So that that's another thing where you can look at the Lions going forward like, oh, man, that that that's going to be awesome. Assuming I, Aiden Hutchinson is here. I mean, not not assuming assuming Aaron Glenn is still here. Right. I, I do want to say, though, the double team rate thing is interesting because I think a lot of people are reacting to that as that's other teams reacting to Aiden Hutchinson. I think a lot of that is actually the Lions reacting to the opponents because they like to put Aiden Hutchinson on the tight end side. They like to say, Hey, this dude is going to fight the entire play. He's going to fight through double teams. And so that that's actually where I think the lions want him. And so now, well, you know, who, who else turned out to be a pretty good damn, a pretty damn good pass rusher last year, James Houston. Right. And so now oh, you got I, James I was going to say John Kaminsky. Well, I mean, well, nobody's talking about John Kaminsky. Yeah, no one Ryan. ever talks about John Kaminsky. Uh, so <laughs> That's why I'm, I wanted I'm glad to you bring got this. I'm glad this you is where we up. start the dialogue, Jeremy. <laughs> no one <laughs> talks about John Kaminsky. Um, but but when you have a guy like Aiden Hutchinson who who can get nine and a half sacks this season, who can hey, improve in the run game, set the edge, you know, get cleanup sacks if he needs to. That I I think it, I think it's not more so that bringing in more talent along the defensive line will free Aiden Hutchinson up. I think Aiden Hutchinson does that for other people, and I think that's what the Lions actually want. <clears throat> yeah, it'll be interesting to see. This is still, I mean, obviously a defense that is growing. Uh, another interesting uh, uh, award that was kind of coming out was the AP Assistant Coach of the Year. Uh, three candidates we have right now are 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, who might, from everything I've heard, be the next coach, the Houston Texans, mm-hmm. which would be a very interesting move and Eagles offensive coordinator Stane Stike Shane Steichen I think I have actually said his name right for the first time in my life <laughs> but Ben Johnson Lions offensive coordinator is also on there um D'Amico Ryan's won the Pro Football Writers of America award but the AP one is still up uh it's hard for me not to see Ben Johnson taking this I mean Ryan is was very good for the 49ers and their defense their defense was very very 
like unstoppable this whole year, but the amount of buzz Ben Johnson got, especially near the end of the year with the amount of talk of people have of him being a head coach. Uh, I don't know, Jeremy, it, it feels to me like I would be a little surprised, not, not tremendously surprised, but a little surprised if Ben Johnson doesn't walk away with this one. Yeah. I mean, he, he certainly, I think these are, these are tough opponents, right? I mean, for, like you said, D'Amico Ryan's, he's, he's going to be a head coach this, this off season for a reason. Uh, you, you have to imagine it's not, I, he's dealing with a, a, a talented defense, but I, I think you can make an argument that Ben Johnson's dealing with a pretty talented offense. He's got a, a great offensive line, a, a, a veteran quarterback, a um, couple good receivers. And so I, I don't know if you can really make any sort of argument one way or the other. I mean, both had, both were elite units and and I don't want to take Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen out of the conversation either, because that Eagles offense is, is a lot of fun to watch. And, and I think in the Super could, Bowl. they, and, and, and to be doing that with Jalen hurts, a quarterback that most people went into the season, not thinking he was a capable quarterback. That's pretty damn impressive. Even, even if you have, again, a, a very good supporting cast, the best offensive line in football, good receivers, all that sort of stuff. So I, I think all these guys were helped out by the rosters that they have. I think you could probably make the argument that Ben Johnson's roster was maybe the worst of the bunch on, on their respective side of the ball, but all of them, I think did a really good job with what they had. It, it, you know, we, we all have at least a little bit of, of kind of like, uh, I don't know, blinders, tunnel vision. blinders. Well, yeah, yeah blinders, blinders and, and, and narrowed vision. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. So that we, we see lines more than we see all these other guys, but I, I all to say that I think all three of these guys are are, are definitely deserving of the award. I don't know who's going to win. I would say the fact that the Pro Football Writers <laughs> of America picked Amico Ryan's is probably a good sign that he's going to win it. But Ben Johnson was a lot of fun, man. And so if he doesn't get it, I'm going to feel a little bit bad for him. But you know what? He's coming back next year, winning next year. I, I think of those three candidates, though, if you could say which one has like the creme de la creme, like the top talent. It's Nick Bosa, right? Like, yeah, I, I think if you have a player like Nick Bosa, and that's like doing so much of a disservice to like guys like Fred Warner, who's just an absolute just unit mm-hmm. of a of a player, um, and Eric Armstead, and they, they have tons Hufanga, of talent. Man, Hufanga is so fun to watch. Yeah, man, I mean, they have, they have so much talent right on, on the defensive side of the ball, but like. Ben Johnson and like this is something that I, that you know I, I was doing a little digging for our um for our POD awards that we're doing and I mean they scored the second most points in team history. <laughs> they crossed over 6000 net yards of offense and that's only the fifth time that that's happened in franchise history and I mean he did it with Jared Goff. I had to slide something in there otherwise there everybody's going to think we're big golf slappies but like <laughs> I I mean, I, I agree, Jeremy. Like, I think if you look at all three candidates, the guy who did the most with the least amount, and it has to be Ben Johnson. Yeah, I. it's fascinating because it comes to the main thing we want to talk about. It's it's fascinating because I feel like for a lot of times talking about coaches, there's two different tracks. There's either the track of you did more with less or you did a lot. You basically did a lot with a lot and you did basically as we expected. And what I'm talking about is that the coach of the year nominees came out and Dan Campbell is not in there. We've got Brian Dable, Doug Peterson, Kyle Shanahan, 
Uh, Sean McDermott is a kind of sort of finalist and Nick Sirianni is a, why, why'd you write these kind of sort of finalists, Jeremy? Be- because it was interesting. The, the NFL and the AP announced different finalists, right? They do. The, they do that. The, yes. The NFL announced five finalists, which include Sean McDermott and Nick Sirianni. The AP announced only three finalists, which did not include those two. And since it's the AP award, I, I, I tend to believe the one that's only three. So Right. Uh, the three actual finests are Brian Dable, Doug Peterson, and Kyle Shanahan. The right. NFL is suggesting that the the player, the coaches that came in fourth and fifth were Sean McDermott and Nick Sirianni. So they listed them as finalists. So that would have been Dan Campbell would have come lower than fifth. Correct. And I think that's where the real rub comes in because I don't think there was ever a chance Dan Campbell was going to win this award with a team that did not make the playoffs. You got a winning record. You went from three, 13 and one to nine and eight. Great. That's that's I mean, you don't get a lot of six win increases or five and a half if you want to get technical. But if you don't make the playoffs, that that alone is is going to disqualify you from a lot of people's eyes. Fairly or unfairly. Especially considering now we're talking about, you know, expanded playoffs, right? Super wildcard weekend. Seven teams out of 16 get in. If you're not in that top seven in your conference, again, the Lions were probably a better team than some of those teams at the bottom of the of the NFC playoffs. But they didn't get in. No. And again, I think you look at this list and there's, again, two different tracks. There's either you did a lot with a team that nobody thought of, and that would include Dan Campbell. But it would also include Brian Dable and Doug Peterson, who are both coaches who made the playoffs this year. Brian Dable, who also won a playoff game, even though it was over a Vikings team that was going Peterson. What? Yeah, Doug okay. Peterson put up uh, playoff wins too, and like I, I thought, I think the Jaguars had a good roster that was completely depreciated by what uh, Urban Meyer did, and yeah. like I don't know, I didn't think Trevor Lawrence was that great this year, but like again, they they went to the playoffs, even though they were in the AFC South, they went to the playoffs. Brian Dable took a Giants team that everyone expected to just be dead meat this year and took them to the playoffs. That does. It is arbitrary as playoffs is as a matter. It does matter. It does matter. I think, but I think the argument on Dan Campbell is more just whether or not about whether you make the playoffs or not. I think what Dan Campbell brings to any team is a lot more leadership based, but I don't think that's going to win you any points here, especially when your competition is those two in that category. And then again, coach of the year is also shared with coaches who do a lot with a lot that they are given. And that would include Kyle Shanahan. That also includes the kind of sort of with, with McDermott and Sirianni. Although Sirianni of all people, like, I, I don't know. Eagles was kind of borderline. I put, I, I think I, Sirianni should have been in the top three. If I'm being, no, no, I, I, I think so too. Cause I didn't yeah. see that. Like I, I know some people were talking about the Eagles, but everyone assumed that division was going to be weak that this year. And not only was it strong, Sirianni and the Eagles were the ones who came out on top, and they were un- the last undefeated team in the NFL, too. Do you guys know who won Coach of the Year last year? Uh, it was right on the tip of my tongue. It was Mike Vrabel. Hmm. Oh, God. And the reason why Vrabel won it last year, two things. One it's the conversation we're having right now about doing the most with the least because the Titans were decimated by injuries all season long. Yeah. And what did he do? He like pulled that team along with the roster that he had, but like pulled that team to, they had the top seed in the AFC. Like they got the buy. I mean, they got smacked in the mouth by the Bengals, <laughs> but 
lo and behold, like it's, it's a couple of things, right? Like it's not always just like the coach with the best record gets it because why wouldn't mm. it be Sirianni, right? Like why wouldn't Sirianni be up there um, for, for the discussion? And I think that Dan Campbell was probably, if he was number six, perfect. That's I think that's exactly where he probably belonged. Like I, I know the distinction of like taking your team to the playoffs and the Lions, you know, just missed it because they had such a poor start. I mean, they did yeah. start. They started one and six. They like, did. Yeah. Th- I mean, those are the facts. If they had an award for the coach who coached the best over the second half of the season, I would say Dan Campbell would be in the top three. Just food well, for thought. Just food for thought to uh, uh, pro football writers. America have already announced their coach of the year and it was Brian Dable. And to me, okay. So to me, I Brian Dable deserves it to be in the final three. I think Nick Sirianni should be in the final three. I'm 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 going to say Doug Peterson doesn't. Doug really? Peterson is, is the one that I have the biggest qualms with, and I think the one that Dan Campbell has the best argument to replace in this. Maybe, maybe even Sean McDermott, honestly. And and the fact that Andy Reid isn't even in this conversation is silly to me. Well, you like, know how it, this works, Jeremy. Yeah, like any it, award, it's, it's about the Johnny. It's fatigue. Right? It's fatigue, right? It's fatigue mm-hmm. that we're we're taking Andy Reid for for granted at this point. And it's also also we should point out that this award is a regular season award. What you do in the postseason does not matter. The the votes are already in. Um. So, but I think for Doug Peterson, the, it's again like the Jaguars were utterly trashed by Urban Meyer, and Doug Peterson came in here, and that was a complete reclamation job. And you've yes. got to give Peterson credit on that front. I, I just say, I just think there's nothing you can say about what Doug Peterson did this year that you can't say for the Lions. The only thing you can say is that they made the playoffs. Congratulations. They had the same record as the Lions. And they played a much easier schedule. They played in a much easier division. They got in the playoffs only because they are in such an easy division. The Lions had to deal with a, the luckiest team in the NF, in NFL history and the Minnesota Vikings being in their division. So and so, it took it took that to the last week for the for the Jaguars to make the playoffs too. They had to beat the Vikings. Right, I mean, right. no, sorry, the Titans. Yeah. So to me, the the only the only check mark that Doug Peter the, there's two check marks. One is that he did it in a year. Took took Campbell two years to turn things around. I, I would argue that the Jaguars had a much better roster. They also got to go crazy in in free agency where the Lions didn't. Um, but to me, I, I think Dan Campbell had a worse roster and and did better. You can't you can't argue about the slow start because Jaguars were two and six as well. So I I, I don't know. I think Doug Peterson is getting a little bit of extra credit because he was in a bad division because he played an easier schedule. And listen, I'm I'm not saying that Jaguars a bad team. I think they're right there in the exact same conversation the Lions are. And let's not forget the head to head. Okay, let's not forget that the Lions blew the Jaguars oh, out of the geez. damn water. So if I'm making a check mark and who's the best coach and it, and I'm like, who wins Dan Campbell or Doug Peterson, how can that at least not be in, in part of the equation that Dan Campbell washed, washed Doug Peterson's Jaguars. I don't have anything to say to you other than the fact that Doug Peterson wears the hell out of a visor and it's 2023. <laughs> He is he is uh taking the crown from Steve Spurrier, that's for sure. Spurrier could wear the hell out of a visor. Yeah, I mean, those are those are facts. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, more news. Uh, are we having new uniforms? Are we finally getting new uniforms? New uniforms. New uniforms. Everyone loves new uniforms. Uh, plus some new coaching moves the Lions are making as we keep an eye also on Aaron Glenn and where and what might happen with some of the jobs around the NFL. Plus, could the landscape of the NFC North quarterback be changing? To the point where crisis is opportunity, as every motivational poster that annoys the hell out of me says. But first, we have to let you know the Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's that jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Craft Jerky Meat Six are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park as we shamelessly promote this jerky that has continued to fuel you at home. People let us know all the time when they buy Righteous Felon and it helps fuel the podcast because you can support the podcast by buying it. And I'll tell you that in a second. But first, why does what makes this jerky so good, Jeremy? What makes it so good? To me, honestly, it's the crazy myriad of flavors that you won't find in any other beef jerky because I'm snacking right now on something called the Bourbon Franklin, which is an American dream of bourbon and vanilla bean. And it is it is seriously like some of the most unique flavor combinations you'll ever see, all while maintaining the high quality of actual meat. That sounded like something that was practiced in front of a mirror for 10 hours while eating righteous felon craft jerky. I'm holding up Victorious B.I.G., which is beer infused with pep with with lots of black pepper. And that beer that is Victory Brewery, Victory Brewery, also in, in Pennsylvania, Storm King Imperial Stout. That's right. They used a damn Russian Imperial Stout to make this. But also, Ryan, what's the real what's the real kicker between righteous felon? What really makes them fuel people? They they put basil in their jerky, that too, yeah. The turkey jerky, yes, yeah. Which apparently is really tough to find and tough to get because because you promote it every single week, Ryan. That's probably true. People are just <laughs> buying it, and you know, it bulk. is very good. It is very good. Yeah. But I was talking about the protein. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it's lots of protein in these lots meat of protein jerky. Sixteen to twenty grams in a bag of in a bag of jerky. Eight grams in each meat stick. It's like an adult slim jim. If it's good I enough for that. Lions, it's going to be good enough for you. And guess what? We've got a promo code for you. Use the promo code. You help us. The jerky the jerky helps you. That's how this works. It's a law of giving of meat. So go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. POD15, RighteousFelon.com. Meat. By the way. What's up? By the way, a lot of promo codes would be like 15% off your first order. That's not this. Every order. Every order. Every order. Keep using it. Keep using it. Sometimes we'll have it. well sometimes we'll have even bigger codes for you. But for right now, POD 15. Do it. Righteous felon. Keep buying meat. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make 
all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pride of Detroit POD cast after a salacious break where uh, accusations were thrown around. All uh, By the way, you can always join us live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit if you want to see this 45-minute podcast get teased out to like two hours because <laughs> of uh, things. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. However, more shenanigans are on the horizon. horizon. We've got plenty more news to talk about. And one of those is that... Um, during an speaking of the power of gaming and Twitch, uh, Equinemius St. Brown, brother of Amon Ross St. Brown, was playing a game with, of Madden 23 with Amon Ross St. Brown. This is all thanks to um, Lions Royalty on Twitter. I want to make sure we give him the credit about that. That apparently on a gaming show on YouTube, the St. Brown brothers, Amon Ross. Let it known that uh, he's uh, let's see, let's see, quote, we need some new jerseys that's coming soon. Stay tuned. Jeremy, new Lions jerseys on the way. Yeah, it certainly seems like it. And I have to we I mean, we have to talk about it because it's literally I feel like I get a question on Ooh, Twitter every single day, every day, man. When are the Lions new uniforms coming? When are they coming in? And Rod Wood teased last year like they had just started putting together a committee to consider getting new uniforms in 2023. And and this is the first time since then that we've even gotten a little speck of, of news that uh, unis are, are, are probably coming this off season. They're, they're more than due. They lines are allowed to do it. Every team is allowed to do it every five years, make a significant change to the uniforms. This will be year six since the last uh, changes, uh, year, maybe year seven, 25 is either 2015 or 2016. No, it was 2017. Sorry, 2017. Now it's 2023. So six years now. Um, last last time they came in, uh, I want to say early April or late March. So, um, you know, if they're coming this year, they could come in the next uh, month or two. And uh, I know that has some Lions fans pretty darn excited. You have to be excited. Yes, has me excited. Yeah, you have to be excited only from the standpoint that hopefully they're tearing everything to the ground and building it back up because these really? jerseys, yeah, these jerseys right now are terrible. Wow. Really? Okay. I, I, I like some of the whites and that's really about it. Yeah. I, I, I really, I really cannot stand the, the number font, the number fonts terrible. 
um, especially on, especially on the home jerseys. And I don't like the pajama uniforms. The pajama uniforms are bad. When they wear the I, all grays, it doesn't look good at the all. The grays are bad. The only thing that's really stood out has been the throwbacks. And they're pretty typical for throwbacks. I, I feel like people, I feel like the throwbacks are very divisive too. Like they're, I, I feel like it's legit split like 50, 50. Like I see a lot of people that say they can't stand them, that they're so boring. And then I see a lot of people that are just very traditionalist that they're like, you know, it's, I mean, it's the colors and, but I mean, nothing's going to change that about throwbacks, right? Like you're always going to be like, I love throwing back to an era of nineties or earlier, or I need something more modern. That's- right. And that's what the Lions did with these these recent uniforms, right? Is like they went a little bit more modern with like yeah. the the script and the font. Well, they and... were also trying to kill the black too. Just get rid of the last vestige of the black. Which is a good thing. Like we are staunchly anti-black jerseys. Mm, right? I, yes. I have a bit of soft spot. <laughs> I wear black all the time. So I but to me, like I I'm I'm almost the exact opposite of you, Ryan. I I <laughs> like these new unis. I don't, but but I have the same problems that you do. But I feel like those are minor tweaks. Like fix the numbers so that I can actually read them. Get rid of the pajama grays. Do something else with a color rush. I'm fine with the all blues. Everything else I I like. I, I like the the blue top, the the white tops, blue pants. I like the home unis. I like the throwbacks. I think I think everyone is looking for big swings with these new uniforms. I don't think the line, I don't think the line should do that. And I don't think the lines will do that. I think they're going to be minor. I know everyone's obsessed about the, the William Clay Ford patch and they want that gone. I know, I know a lot of people want, want black jerseys. In fact, like I know for a fact that the line, the lines have straight up told Brad Wood told us like they're paying attention to feedback on, on Twitter and social media and all that sort of stuff. And I know for a fact that the two most common things that they hear is get rid of the patch and get black uniforms back. I'm I I don't care about the patch. I think I think it's weird that that Lions fans are obsessed with that. Like I understand they're they're frustrated with William Clay Ford, but let I mean those patches are on those patches are on almost every like there are a lot of old teams. Those patches are there for owners who died a long time ago. Now, like and it's not that's just one. It's not that big of a deal. Two, like the man's daughter is running the team right now. Relax, like it's it's not that big of a deal. Um. Black uniforms, I they're super devices. I'm personally not a fan. If they're going to do them, make them look somehow way different than the ones, the last ones, because I, I did not like those at all. Um, but otherwise, like, I just want minor tweaks. Make make it so that I can read a 58 versus a 59. Uh, and then, yeah, like, come up with a better, like, color rush. Uh, the, the, the Lions and UK guys, the Roar of the Lions UK guys had a good point. Like, the gray jerseys, are not silver. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you make them yeah, more I, silver, but make them more silver. They make, they make me feel like I'm looking at like Eastern Michigan. Like I, I don't understand the city's obsession with gray. It's it's, I feel the same way about the Pistons gray jerseys. Like they're ter- gray is a terrible color for a Jersey. It's bad. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. I mean, the Dallas Mavericks had an alternate uniform that was all gray, like back when they had Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki. And they're literally referred to as like the trash bag uniforms because you <laughs> look like you're wearing a giant trash bag, uh, especially when you start to get in. And, and here's the thing, though, like their gray had a metallic kind of like sense to it. 
which makes me really nervous about like, don't try to do like all silver, anything like silver is an accent, like use it appropriately. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and, but I, I think that's a great point. Like stick to the colors that you have and you really need to accentuate like that Honolulu blue needs to pop. And I think to your point though, Jeremy, like changing the numbers changes everything. Like, in, in my in my eyes, I feel like that that's such a huge, huge statement that you can make with that. And like the, the right now, just like the piping on it and the, and the and the stroke on it, it's just not it's just not right. I need more traditional piping and stroke like I but I also know that I love that 60s Lions logo. It looks like a car hood or a hood ornament for a, for like a luxury car. And I just would like to see more accents that kind of feel more like. Like a car. Well, it's here's Detroit. It's thing. Motor City. Lean into it a bit. They they're allowed to have in, a new alternate he- helmet. That's one thing that we haven't seen in a while. Like we we all all we see is the Lions helmet with the the normal logo and the uh-huh. the solid gray helmet for the throwbacks. The one interesting thing is now that now that they now they can have an interesting third one in the mix, and I think that that's a great idea because I don't want them to change the logo at all. Personally, I think the logo is great as it is. That they, they made those you know changes. Uh, few years back to make yeah, it don't. not so bubbly anymore and, and and more detailed. I don't want them to change that. But if you throw the, that old kind of yeah, hood ornament one, I'm totally in on that. Yeah, or even use the 50s one with a guy running behind the lion. I, I What I don't want is the 90s one, which is basically the same as the current one, That's but it's just like a silhouette of a right. lion. Like, I understand people really like that logo and everything, but it's... That's I don't know. Solid. I found it. It's boring. not a good logo. It's not. It's the, that 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 was fine for the 90s. It's not fine for today. And it's not a throwback. Right. So, yeah, I I, I wonder if they'll make any changes to the logo because they've made tweaks here and there. Right. Like they used to have the black outline. Now it's the was it gray or white Um, they, they added mm-hmm. the little like, accentuations to make it a little more detailed. I fear that they're going to, uh, you know, I, I don't have any sort of insider information on this or anything like that. I just don't want them to touch the logo personally. You're a Lions insider and you don't have any inside information on it. Sorry. Just goes to show that even if never mind, I'm not going to do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Anyways, um, the last thing I have to say about the logo and like I'm just looking at like the the history of the team helmet and like the thing that I find interesting is like the size of the lion on the helmet, like it started out like pretty like relatively like in proportion. And then like in from like Oh three to Oh eight, like the lion got huge. And I think I'm a bigger fan of when the lion is like proportionate to like the helmet. Like there's like Joey Harrington is like, this is like his era, but like that was like the traditional, like, you know, lion silhouette that they had of the leaping lion. Bring back the circus font though. That's all I want. I just want, circus the circus font. I want the Cir- circus font back. Circus font would be fun. I always thought this just shows you how stupid I was growing up. I, I always looked at that. and I thought it was supposed to be like a Western thought font, like a Western saloon or something. The idea that it was a circus and circus lions just never hit me in the head for some reason. Lions like the circus animal. No, I <laughs> they were playing I, I, a game. <laughs> I know, but like. I, I don't know why, man. I just always thought it was supposed to be like a Western saloon. It's an I think you should leave reference. He's sneaking. Oh, in oh, OK, OK. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> this is where I need the Wikipedia page, apparently, Jeremy. Uh, real quick. Lions also got a new tight ends coach this week. Uh, Steve yeah. Hyden. Hyden yes. is how you say it, which is appropriate. Den. Defend the den. Do we still do def- defend the den or do they get rid of that? 
That's still a thing. Okay. Um, I'm just curious what this means for Tanner Engstrand. I know we had talked about him as in a past episode about, because we were talking about Ben Johnson leaving and maybe Tanner was kind of our candidate for someone who gets coached up to be kind of the one who, who eventually takes Ben Johnson's place if he gets poached away later. But Steve Hyden coming from the, uh, the Cardinals, he had coached there his entire career so far. So just what does this really mean for the lions? And especially, especially for the tight end position where, you know, we had seen this year where they basically traded away their top, one of their, you know, first round past first round pick guys in, in, uh, in Hawkinson and yet still had good production out of, out of Brock Wright and the rest and Shane Zilstra and the rest of that crew. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? Because Ingstrom was the tight ends coach slash passing game coordinator. And now they just hired a tight ends coach. And and to be Clear. This is just an ESPN report. The Lions haven't made it official or anything like that. We're still waiting. There might be more coaching changes to come. All all that sort of stuff is still being played out, which is why this is kind of a curious move because a lot of people tag Tanner Instrum as as that succession plan to Ben Johnson because he got the passing game coordinator title um, because he is a young coach though he has kind of a long extensive history um, with with you know he's been coaching since twenty two thousand five. In, in some ranks, um, only been with the Lions and the NFL level since 2020. But um, I don't know, like, because I don't know if this means Tanner Angstrom is, is going somewhere else or Tanner Angstrom is getting moved away from tight end so that he can focus on something else. The thing that makes sense most in my mind is I don't think he's quite ready for an offensive coordinator gig. So I don't I don't feel like he's leaving for an offensive coordinator. Again, no insider sources. This is just kind of gut feeling. I don't feel like he's proved enough at the NFL level to, to make that jump from offensive assistant last year to tight ends coach and pass the game coordinator to offensive coordinator, wherever it could be college level, could be pro level, whatever. Instead, this feels like a, okay, we understand Ben Johnson is probably gone after next year. He almost was gone this year. We had to sweeten the pot to keep him. We expect him to, to ball out again next year. He's gone. We need to really, really focus on a succession plan this year. And so what what are we going to do? We're going to make Tanner way more involved in the offensive game planning. And and in order to do that, we need a new tight ends coach to take those duties away from him. And so they, who do they get? They get a guy who's been coaching that position for the past three or four years in Arizona, a guy who played the position in the NFL for 11 years and played it at a very similar way to Dan Campbell. He's, a, he's that gritty blocking tight end. And so to me, that this screams... Let's make sure we have a succession plan. And in the meantime, we're going to bring in a guy who already knows how to coach tight ends. Yeah. I, I, the, the, I mean, all great salient points. The only thing I want to continue to emphasize is like, this is like the Dan Campbell model. It seems is like, Hey, we're going to restock the, the cupboard with guys who are former players and, you know, didn't, didn't, you know, stop playing until, until rather recently. Cause he was a third round pick in 99. Like this is a guy who's like, played 11 seasons. He's been in the league or he was in the league for quite some time. Um, but I, I think what, what you said, Jeremy is kind of this like grooming process, right. Of like getting, you know, getting Tanner ready to be, you know, maybe the next guy. And it is, it's fascinating because it's all just tight end stuff. And Ben Johnson himself was a tight ends coach. 
Yeah, we're just going to fill the entire coaching staff with tight end coaches. Just all tight, all TE, all TE Which, offense, all TE coaches. Not not even that bad of a strategy, honest. And and I know I'm you know I'm joking, and and Dan Campbell's a tight end coach, but tight ends know a lot about the game. They because they have to. They have to know about well, yeah, blocking. It's a hybrid. They have to know about running. I mean, they have to know about defense in terms of coverage, both both in terms of coverage and it and matches it, it matches the modern offense in the NFL as well, which is short, short guard passing yak and and quick and and quick release and everything else to it. Yeah. Smart guys. Yeah. Speaking of someone who isn't quite as smart, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Um, that is my coming. favorite segue you've ever made. Thank you. I, I try. I really <laughs> tried. I had this one in my back pocket and I was like, I've got to stick this landing. I really do. Um, coming out the other day that a trade might be possible for the Packers are willing to put Aaron Rodgers up on the market. Um, they are at a bit of a crossroads, according to Adam Schefter. But the option of trading him remains an Remains possible. Now, Aaron Rodgers might have things to say about that, particularly, but it seems like the Packers are in a bit of a financial pickle with his contract. And to be honest, I think for a while, we've all kind of looked at the Packers and thought they might need to hit the reset button on this at some point. Plus, at some point, you also need to decide what you're going to do with Jordan Love. But the bigger part is, is besides the fact that we might finally be freed of the boogeyman that uh, the Lions slayed last year, but nevertheless remains that boogeyman. But I think, Ryan, we're looking very soon at a complete change of the future of the NFC quarterback outlook. Justin Fields remains in flux. This will be a very critical year three on how he will perform i think he lit some people on fire this year but mostly by his legs but a lot of that was because he didn't really have time to throw i don't know how much longer kirk cousins is going to convince people that he is a you know a top quarterback which seems ridiculous and aaron Rodgers might be on the way out meanwhile jared goff had a very successful year in detroit so this and because this is still at the end of the day a quarterback sport quarterback-driven sport. What it can mean for the NFC and what it can mean for the change, especially when it's been every year, just either the Vikings or the um, Packers mostly, but now the Vikings kind of starting to claw at that NFC North title. What this could mean for the division and how it could just completely open it up. I mean, it stretches further back than Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, Think about for how long the division has run through Green Bay because of the Hall of Fame level of quarterback play that they've had. Do you know what I mean? Like coming into every season, it was like, okay, well, not going to count out the Packers because the Packers have, like I said, Hall of Fame level quarterback play. Favre and Rodgers was over 30 years. So, I mean, I think when I look at the NFC North moving forward, you, you bring up Justin Fields, but. I mean, just throwing it out there, is Justin Fields a Chicago Bear after the draft? I don't know. I mean, question some marks, Chicago question people. Marks, question marks. There's some Chicago people who think they should draft Bryce Young. I think those people are insane, but it is a possibility. Uh, are Are there any exclamation points in the division? Is all I'm saying, right? Like Aaron Rodgers has been an exclamation point for years, right? It even if you're all the way in on Jared Goff, 
you're putting an exclamation point after him. Like I'm not doing it to Kirk Cousins. Like Kirk Cousins isn't uh he's not going to be a deciding factor in the division, right? I I don't know. I don't know. There isn't that quarterback anymore. You you're not talking about this the same way that I mean, yes, I understand we have new information and and Russell Wilson, you know, cratered the way that he did, but you're not having the same discussion as people were talking about the AFC West before last season, right? Where they're saying like, look at how loaded it is with all those gunslingers and Mahomes and Herbert and Carr and Wilson. I think you look around and I don't know. I don't think that describes the NFC North by any means. And yes, I think that, I think that just goes to show that like, Hey, things really might be up in the air. Yeah. And it, it might produce a kind of like an arms race, like who who can find the next elite quarterback in the NFC North? And maybe maybe the Lions already have it in Jared Goff. Maybe the, the Bears already have it. Um, but but for the other other two teams, it's it's certainly not looking good. It certainly seems like they're ready to turn the pages on their current guys at, at some point in the near future. I, I, you know, Cousins, I think, is still under contract for a year or two. But um, the Packers are, are, are certainly I, I and, and according to that Sheft report, the Packers prefer like that's the report is they prefer to move on from Aaron Rodgers. And to be clear, let's be clear the situation. They should have done it last year and it would have been tough. He's coming off. It would have been tough. He's coming off an MVP caliber year. Back, back, back to back MVPs. It would have been tough, but there were plenty of Packers fans that are like, we need to start. We need, we need to turn the page. It's time to see what Jordan love got. And now, now they're in a situation where, He's already costing them like 30 million against the cap. If they cut him, it's going to cut him or trade him. It's going to be 40 against the cap. They have Aaron Jones's contract. They're, they're already over the cap as is right now. A lot of, a lot of, it becomes a mess, a, a bigger mess financially. Now you're trading him at a lower value, right? If you're trading him off back-to-back MVPs, maybe you get a little bit extra for him. If you, you trade him after the last year that he had, and now two off seasons where he's like, I don't know, maybe I'll retire. Who's going to want to trade two first round picks for that? It might still happen. I'm not saying he's not necessarily going to get it, but there's a little bit more buyer's <laughs> warning, I think, on him now. Yeah, the the might retire thing really reminds me of what we just got through with Ben Roethlisberger for a few years. You guys remember that where Ben Roethlisberger was always hemming and hawing yeah. and it ultimately paralyzed the the Steelers from being able to draft his replacement. Like it, they, they had to stick with Ben Roethlisberger, but every, every damn offseason Ben Roethlisberger was talking about how much pain he was in, how, you know, how much he's not sure how he, how long he can continue with the game. And this, this, this feels like if we had tried to trade Ben Roethlisberger in the middle of those years, like it's the same kind of like, you're, you're, you're kind of killing your market value here. Yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that Ben Roethlisberger was a doofus traffic cone for a quarterback, <laughs> I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a doofus himself. I don't know how as much the tra- he can move better than Roethlisberger now, but Roethlisberger could move too. I, yeah, but whatever. But I'm, your getting, own, I'm getting no, no, sidetracked. No, your 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 overall point, Chris, is is salient because Ben Roethlisberger was doing so much more harm. Not only the fact that he was playing poorly at quarterback, but his contract was just completely hamstringing the the Steelers at that point and and what they could do. And I agree, Jeremy. Like if if the if the Packers were going to poop or get off the pot, like why did you let Devontae Adams go? Right. Yeah. You, you have That's to be kicking yourself. That's you have a to big be one. kicking yourself that you chose. But isn't that a crazy sentence to say, man, I can't believe the Packers chose Aaron Rodgers over Devontae Adams for right. how great he is, right? I, I think I think if you were to say that about 
you know, any other situation around the league, choosing, you know, a quarterback over a wide receiver isn't so crazy. But now in hindsight, it's like, my goodness, what a what a catastrophic decision that was. And, and I think a, a bigger part of the equation has to be that you burned another year that you could have developed Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's he is one. entering the final year of his rookie contract. And I know this is the exact same thing they did with Aaron Rodgers. Three years on the bench and then and then you bring him along. But you're you're in a tough situation now because if Jordan Love doesn't work out, what's next? Because you you haven't been a really, really bad team enough to to be in that top ten conversation to get another guy unless you're gonna be super aggressive and trade away more of your future for for the next guy. You just have to basically eat a year where you're really bad. Yeah, right. at least and, at and least one. Maybe that's what happens, but I already see Packers fans trying to convince themselves based on like 20 snaps this year that Jordan Love has already taken that step, that he's going to hit the ground running in the final year in his rookie. They have to decide on his fifth year. What do you do about that? Do you give a guy who's played two games, mostly in cleanup duty, a fifth year option as a as a first round quarterback? That is not a cheap contract that you're all. All I can say is that I hope. If they do move on from Aaron Rodgers and they go to go do go to Jordan Love, that they're not terrible enough where they're in a position to take someone like Caleb Williams. Because sure. next year's quarterback class with with Drake May and Caleb Williams is looking enticing. But granted, we said that about this year's quarterback exactly. class too. And like, look what's happened to it. The, the the one thing I want to ask you guys because I do see some Lions fans sharing the sentiment right now is, are you are you maybe? In, in a space where you don't want Aaron Rodgers to leave? Because Do you I, want I, him to keep acting like a sea anchor for the Packers and their plans to move on? Well, not only, yeah. And and I think there's this feeling that the Lions have, have conquered him. Like last year was, was the conquering of Aaron Rodgers where we don't have to look at this guy scared anymore. We are better than him. Are you guys at that point where it's like, yeah, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to see what Jordan Love has. I don't, I don't want to open the mystery box. I want Aaron Rodgers in the downfall of his career and to continue to beat this guy. I could buy that because I was absolutely terrified that Jordan love might come out in that final week and do like a Matt Flynn type of game. (laughs) Sure. That was in the back of my mind. I am, I am not, I am not too proud to, to, to deny that. There are a lot of people that feel that way. And I, I, I know there are Lions fans that are afraid that Jordan Love is going to turn out to be the next guy. And and listen, like the, the Packers have a decent track record there. But at the same time, I don't think Jordan Love is proven. No, there's been no proof. Like Aaron Rodgers, we knew like was that good coming out of college. And from everything we had seen about him, he was just getting screwed by Brett Favre. Well, Jeremy, that's called PTSD. That's yeah, what that's that, called. Yeah, that is exactly what that is. Yeah. So I here's the thing. I think that the Packers are in a, they're they're in between a rock and a hard place. Like either you move forward with Rogers or you don't move forward with Rogers. And like you said, that big cap hit that's going to incur, whether or not they trade them or, you know, cut them or whatever happens. I, I, but does it, does he retire? I mean, that's, that's the ultimate like wild card here is that he could just choose to retire. And all this talk about him going to the jets or the Raiders is over. He's just, he just retires. But I, I I think I'm mostly with my live audience here is just like, no, get him out of here. I, I don't I don't want to see him. I don't want him to be the narrative wanna, of this division. Yeah, I'm, I, he's only a year removed from MVP performances. So I'm going to make it. This guy can play very well at, at a very high level still. And I think there are some legitimate excuses for him playing with a very young receiving core that he eventually got a little bit better with. 
that that he still probably has a really good season in him. So get him the hell out of this division. I don't want to, I don't want to see his face anymore. He and was playing, plus, he was playing a better well. way to end his NFC career, NFC North career than to send him packing from the playoffs at his home turf. He, he, he was playing a lot better with Watson until Christian Watson hobbled himself a little bit near the end of the season. That, that much is true. I do, I do buy that. And that at this point, I just don't want to deal. I don't want to think about Aaron Rodgers again, coming back from another burning man with another, after trying a little bit more peyote, like I'm tired. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Ryan, final thoughts. I, I could care less whether he stays or goes. Mm, the, Lions, the Lions are a better football team. There was there was a beat writer who said that at one point. You know, you shouldn't be scared of the Packers. The mm-hmm. Lions are a better football team. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what Aaron Rodgers does or what Aaron Rodgers provides because the Lions are just a better football team. That's right. Love it. And with that, we, the better podcast, are finally done. Only two, only two parts. I think we made each segment a little bit longer. Um, thank you all who joined us live. As always, we continue to do these, and we'll have some more podcasts. I think we're having first bite this week. Um, I have been promising scraps, and I swear I will have one now. Now that I'm out of my sickness, uh, and maybe some other offerings down the road? Question mark. We're still feeling out. I think January was kind of our light month to kind of breathe Take a little a bit. I will say this, Chris, it is senior bowl week and we didn't talk about the senior bowl at all, but that was intentional. We will have some senior bowl audio content coming later this week. I can, I be honest, I'm kind of a little over the senior bowl as well. That's why we're going to bring in a guest to talk about it so that we don't have to. I wonder who that surprise guest will be. Hmm. For now, though, let's close up this one. So I'm Chris Perfett at Chris Perfett on Twitter, where you can yell at me for uh, using Bing and having terrible opinions about not the Lions. Uh, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit on Lion, the big honcho himself. Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD, just out here picking fights and just having fun. That's what he does. He goes hard. And Thank for you. all, you're welcome. And for all three of us, we say to you, We'll see you star side. Pride to Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 
and they use locally sourced all-natural black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.